today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Listen, when we're standing before Him on that great and final day, we cannot stand in our own righteousness. We cannot put our confidence in our own righteousness, but in Christ's imputed righteousness. Why? Because that's what brings life. Self-righteousness will result only in death. Self-confidence, self-anything. You are listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Many are mistaken in thinking they have to be good enough to be saved. Even believers need reminders that our best efforts still merit death. In today's message, Pastor J.D. touches on the contrast between the law and the Spirit. The law brings death because our own righteousness falls short. Only God's Spirit brings us new life. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. with part two of his message, The Living Letter of My Christian Life. He tells them in verse six that God has made them competent ministers of the new covenant. But it's not the letter that kills, but of the Spirit that gives life. Now stay with me, because this is interesting for a number of reasons, chief of which is that the Apostle Paul is contrasting the law of God with the Spirit of God. Namely, that of the letter of the law of God, which brings about death, contrasted with the Spirit of God, which brings about life. Why? Because the reason for the contrast is that the penalty for breaking God's law is death. It's the death penalty, and that's why the law kills. The law pronounces upon me a death sentence, specifically the Ten Commandments. What if I told you that the Ten Commandments were never intended to be kept? Does that make sense? Well, then what's the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to show me, me, in the mirror of God's Word, my true condition before a perfect and righteous and holy God. Commandment number one, I'm done. So are you too. So don't look at me all spiritual because you're done too. (laughs) Commandment number two, guilty. Commandment number three, guilty. Commandment number four, guilty. Number five, guilty. And so on all the way through to commandment number ten. That's God's law. That's God's perfect standard of righteousness and We are all law breakers. So what's the purpose of the law? To just show us, us, this is my condition, 
just as I get up in the morning and as I do every day, much to my consternation, and look at my face in the mirror, and it shows me, (laughs) me, (laughs) in my true condition. And because I see me in my true condition, now I'm propelled to do something about my true condition. So I comb what little hair I have left. I shave the hair that's on my face that I wish was still up here. I brush my teeth so my breath doesn't stink when I say good morning to you on Sundays. And I do whatever I need to do because of what I see in that mirror. And that's what God's law is. It's the mirror of God's law that shows us us. And it becomes for us a tutor, a schoolmaster, if you prefer, that takes us by the hand. Now that we've seen our true condition as sinners, as lawbreakers, and it takes us ever so gently to the Savior. The law shows us our need for the Savior. Because see, now I'm a lawbreaker. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. And that's what the law does. That's the purpose of the law. It has pronounced upon me a death sentence. That's why the law, the letter of the law written on stone tablets, kills. But the Spirit gives life. And that's what Paul is saying here. This is Romans 6, verses 22 and 23. Paul, writing the church in Rome, says, Now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, here's the thing. When we come to Christ and are born again of the Spirit of God, and we receive the free gift of eternal life, the law can no longer condemn us. I am no longer under the condemnation of the law. And the reason I am no longer under the condemnation of the law is because Jesus the Christ went to the cross and paid the death penalty in my stead. Romans 8. This is my favorite chapter in all of the Bible. You've heard me say that before about other chapters in the Bible. But listen, if you for whatever reason have allowed the enemy to bring into question God's love for you, you need to read and spend some time and meditate on Romans 8 because there is nothing And I mean nothing, nor height, nor depth, 
nor anything created, nor principality, nor anything can separate you from the love that God has for you. I know it's simplistic. Maybe it's overused and has become unnecessarily cliche, but God loves you. God loves you. Let me say it this way, and maybe it packs more punch. He likes you. He likes you. Early on in my marriage, my wife would say to me, I love you, but I don't like you right now. As only a wife can say. (laughs) Can I get a witness, husband? (laughs) I don't like you. I I have to love you. (laughs) Wow. But I don't like you. Isn't it something that like packs more punch than love? I want you to like me. God likes you. God likes you. God loves you. Verse 1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here's why. Because, verse 2, through Christ Jesus, listen, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The law kills, the Spirit gives life. Another reason that I find this really interesting is because I'm of the belief that Paul, in this contrast, is referencing two specific accounts in Scripture. And in so doing, he's both demonstrating and illustrating how that putting our confidence in the law will only, in the end, result in death. The law kills, the Spirit gives life. And conversely, placing our confidence not in ourselves or, God forbid, in our own righteousness, which Isaiah describes very graphically as filthy minstrel cloths. That's what he's saying that our righteousness is when he says they are as filthy rags. I know it's graphic. But that's what our own righteousness is before God. Listen, when we're standing before Him on that great and final day, we cannot stand in our own righteousness. We cannot put our confidence in our own righteousness, but in Christ's imputed righteousness. Why? Because that's what brings life. Self-righteousness will result only in death. Self-confidence, self-anything. I remember sharing one time about a book that I've read more than once by Roy Hessian called The Calvary Road. I don't recommend it for the faint at heart. It is very honest. That's almost an understatement. It's very blunt. And it's very true. In the Calvary Road, Roy Hessian contends that anything self is sin. Even self-consciousness 
self-righteousness, self-confidence, self-reliance, self-anything. You put self and attach to it anything, that's sin. The only thing that should be attached to self is the crucifying of self, dying to self. My uh, now 16-year-old son, Levi, took me aside after one of my teachings where I used this illustration and referenced the Calvary Road, and he said, Baba, you're wrong. Now, it's really humbling when your, you know, teenage son challenges you and questions your teaching and he said, not everything self is sin. I said, okay, yeah, well, pray tell, tell me why. To which he responded, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. <laughs> really? <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> that was good. Okay, so I'm, that's my disclaimer. Everything self except control is sin. Now, what are these two accounts that Paul is referencing? Well, when Moses, whom, by the way, Paul will refer to later in this chapter, brought down the law of God, the two tablets of stone from Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died. The law kills. And it's a most interesting account about how and why and even by whom these 3,000 would die. Let me read Exodus 32, verses 27 and 28. It says, And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side, and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp, and let every man kill his brother. What? Every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So... The sons of Levi were the only ones who were willing to do this. The sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Picture the scene. Here comes Moses, who they didn't think was coming back. In fact, so much so that they convinced Moses' older brother Aaron to make them a god. And Aaron acquiesces in caves to the pressure of the people, takes all of their gold, and creates this golden calf, and if you can imagine it, proclaims of this golden calf, Israel, behold, your God who delivered you out of Israel. Big mistake. Wait, isn't that the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So here comes Moses with the Ten Commandments, the first of which they just broke big time. And he breaks the tablets as he witnesses this unspeakable orgy, which is what it was, around this golden calf. And... He says to the Israelites, Who is with me? Come stand by me. 
to mete out the death penalty for this. And nobody would do it except for the Levites. And oh, by the way, that's why the Levites are the priestly tribe. Let me explain. Originally, God had given the priesthood to the firstborn of the 12 tribes. And they were disqualified and lost that birthright because they would not do what they were commanded to do. Only the Levites would, and that's why to this day it is the Levites who are the priestly tribe, because they would mete out this death penalty because of the breaking of the law. And 3,000 died when the law came down. But here's the thing, and this is where it gets interesting, 3,000 were saved when the Spirit came down. The law kills 3,000. When it comes down, the Spirit saves 3,000 when the Spirit comes down. And that's where the contrast that Paul is using here comes into play. Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The law kills, the Spirit gives life. And this is why, it's for this reason that we can confidently and boldly come to the throne of grace. We are pronounced righteous, Though our sins be as scarlet, He has made them as white as snow. The writer of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want you to think this through with me, and I realize, I'm keenly aware that this is going to sound like a firm grasp of the obvious, but I'm going somewhere, so please just bear with me. Why do we write letters? We write letters to be sent out to the recipient for whom it's intended. And in that letter, we will write something that we wish to communicate to the recipient of the letter. Are we okay so far? In other words, our letter will have a message to them and for them. That's why we write letters. Maybe I need to add emails, right? Okay. Here's the question. What would my letter say? What message am I sending? Now here again, (laughs) you have to know that before I teach this, I have to own this. The Lord does not let me get away with not owning this. You cannot impart that which you do not possess. And I am confessing to you that the message of my life, the message I'm sending, the letter in my letter, what I'm saying is not what I want to say. That's not how I want the letter of my life to read. The letter of my life needs to be more loving. The letter of my life needs to be more gentle. 
The letter of my life needs to be more joyful and peaceful and all of the above. Oftentimes my letter is angry. The letter of my life reads as being angry. And I don't want it to send that message. But God, (laughs) if I don't like what it would say, it's not too late to write a new chapter. God is the God of new beginnings, of second chances, of third chances, of fourth chances, or in my case of 1,563,000. I don't know what your number is, but mine's way up there. (laughs) I want to close with how one commentator summed it up. I think it is just so apropos. He asks, what is an epistle of Christ? Well, think about it. A living epistle written by the work of the Holy Spirit, would be someone whose life reads in such a way that it glorifies God. In short, if I'm a living epistle, my life will be an example of what happens when God has His way with someone through His Son, Jesus Christ. I was thinking this morning about one of my favorite hymns, Have Thine Own Way. My mom, when I was a kid, forced me to learn to play that on the piano. In fact, she paid me $3.75 to learn it and play it, which was a lot of pinball back then. For those of you who remember, some of you younger people have no idea what I'm talking about, but... That was a lot of pinball, and that was enough to learn how to sing and play hymn number 272 in the hymnal that I had in front of me, Have Thine Own Way. And i got to say that that hymn today means so much to me, because that is what I want my letter to read like. I want the letter of my Christian life to read as one whose life is in the potter's hands, whose life has been as the clay molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. And I think you have that same hope as well. Thanks for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from the book of 2 Corinthians has blessed you and that you continue to seek God's hand in your life. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. You'll also find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Did you know you can also take in Spirit and Truth with you wherever you go? It's true. Using your Apple or Android smartphone, download our mobile app and have biblically sound messages available right at your fingertips. Links to the app are right on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
We'd also like to encourage you to find and join a local church community if you haven't already. Having a group of believers to support you and learn from God with you is a great encouragement. You too will have the chance to bless others with your own unique gifts and talents. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we would joyfully welcome you into our fellowship here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Our weekly services focus on studying God's Word and worshiping our Creator. Service times and directions can be found by going to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. That's all we have for you today here on In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again as Pastor J.D. digs deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians. Holy me true.